You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ Community Radio Station, Joy 94.9. Ben Notes is our weekly jazz program going to air each Sunday night. Don Brow of Jazz Scene Magazine describes Melbourne's Rory Clark as a new young pianist of enviable talent. Rory is a pianist, composer, arranger, and is about to launch his second album called Rory Remembers. Tonight, it's my pleasure to welcome to the Bent Note studio at Joy 94.9, Rory Clark. Hello, how are you? Very well, thank you, Rory. Thank you for coming in on such a, a cold night. That's my real pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. A new young pianist of enviable talent. That's uh, very high praise. I'm assuming it does reflect the work that you've put into becoming a musician. Well, thank you. Yes, it is a very high praise and I'm very honoured to get those kind of accolades. Yeah, I guess I've worked very hard at it. I started at about age 11 and I haven't stopped sort of practising and learning all the way. It's a continual journey. Starting at the age of 11, what prompted you to actually think to yourself, I can play an instrument? I want to play an instrument. Well, my father, Roger Clark, is an alto saxophone player, so I grew up just hearing Sir Jazz on radio and hearing some of his jam sessions. I think he dragged me along to a few things when I was just knee-high to a grasshopper. And you had no I, choice. Yeah, and that sort of sound got in my head, and I you know, experimented with pop music when I was younger. But I guess when I was about 11, I just picked up one of those musical Christmas cards. I started trying to transcribe it on the piano, and my dad was like, oh, you're good at that. You should learn to play jazz piano. And I, I sort of started taking lessons. I guess I, I fell in love with it quite quickly. It was something I took to quite naturally. So, Is the rest of the family musical as well? I've got three sisters and two of the three play music. So, uh, yeah, and uh, my mother used to play classical piano before she had four kids. That slowed her down a bit. Yeah, we're all pretty musical, so, yeah, it's good. Certainly good when you've got music in the family. It's very encouraging to people, I think. It is. It is indeed. And do you remember what that tune was that you had to transcribe? I cannot remember. It was one of those Christmas carols, probably Jingle Bells or something like that. (laughs) Anyway. And and you sat down there with the the card and just one finger on the keys. Yeah, pretty much. worked it out. I don't think I even knew what note was what on the piano. I'm pretty sure that was the case. I just <laughs> picked it out by ear. But... You, you just worked out though that you hit them and they make a noise. Yeah. <laughs> so is that your earliest memory of music when you sat down at the piano and picked out the Christmas Carol or do you have memories of anything particular that sticks in your mind from earlier on other than just the fact that you were surrounded by music? I did try violin and of course uh, my dad bought me an alto sax and I did play on Young Talent Time when I was three years old. But... Did you really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, back in the day. But um, I didn't like the sort of vibrating reed in my mouth. It was all tickly and it just wasn't really kind of natural for me. And I guess when I sat down at the piano, it did feel natural. So I guess that's what I gravitated towards. So the violin and the alto sax just didn't didn't make it. Yeah. I guess the jazz piano thing was somewhere hidden and it just came out when I started playing piano. I was like, yep, this is a good fit. This is me. What else have you learned other than violin and uh, alto sax? I did uh, actually experiment with playing drums at school. Um, Doesn't everyone go to drums? Yeah, probably. It was one of those things. I guess the syncopation was a good thing because fundamentally a piano is a percussion instrument, so it is good to sort of study the rhythm and stuff because a lot of it is, you know, fundamental to the piano. Did you give the drums away or decide that it wasn't uh, what you wanted? I just sort of gave it away. I, I phased it out because I figured it's better to be better at one thing than sort of a jack of all trades. And, you know, there's so many competing things on your you know, demands on your time and things like that. So I just thought, you know, let's just focus on the piano. It's my first love. And yeah. I suppose there was probably never any doubt that it was going to be jazz. 
No, pretty much in my blood. Very fortunate when I was 13 to meet Gilaski. He was a legend of Motown and um, some of his most notable things was he um, worked throughout Motown with the Jackson 5, Stevie Wonder, Diana Ross and in 1972 they did a motion picture with Diana Ross called Lady Sings the Blues as a tribute to Billie Holiday. And in 1973, Gilaski actually got an Academy Award nomination for that because the music was fantastic. And it was only later on, when I was maybe 17 or 18, I sort of watched the film and, and the, the, the band, and there was back sort of showing uh, him rehearsing the band. And there was guys like Oliver Nelson, Benny Golson, Harry Sweets Edison, Ernie Watts, who were like absolute jazz royalty, past and present. And I was just like, absolutely in awe. Like, oh my God, this guy is the real deal. I am so fortunate to have met this guy. Like, he's just, no one better, really, you know. It's just, it says it all. An amazing experience. Yeah, absolutely. I reckon we're going to have a listen to a, a track. Now, we did have a listen to Goodbye Gill. We'll have a chat about that shortly. But how about we have a listen to another track? Any preference from the, the album? Well, you mentioned earlier, it's the um, guitarist Doug DeVries birthday so he's one of the featured artists on this album I absolutely love his playing he, like you said he's one of the best kind of players of that genre in the world today he's just phenomenal so let's uh, listen to Fascination Fascination from Rory Clark and his band Joy 94.9 is a GLBTIQ community radio station in Melbourne, Australia. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. My special guest tonight on Bent Notes is Melbourne's pianist Rory Clark. He's about to release his brand new album called Rory Remembers and it's got a beautiful image on the front. Plain and simple, but it's a beautiful image of a grand... I reckon it might be a baby grand piano. It was actually drawn by my girlfriend, Jacinta Bridges. Oh, fantastic job, Jacinta. Yeah, she studied at the VCA. She's actually gone to visual merchandising, works at the zoo now. She's just an incredible drawer, and I just sort of had this concept in my mind, and she drew something I was like, that's beautiful. That's going on the album cover, for sure. I'm I'm glad you chose it, because it really does look good. And then inside there's a... Uh, what looks like a partial piano uh, in what obviously has been a watercolour. That's right, yeah. So she did a couple of different um, concepts of the cover and they both made the cut. I couldn't choose, so I guess the the hand-drawn sketch in pen was on the front and the watercolour ended up as a sort of backing tray sort of thing behind the CD, so... Yeah, nice way to do it. We've had a listen to a couple of tracks there. We had Goodbye Gill earlier in the evening on Bent Notes, and then we had a listen to Fascination with Doug DeVries. Now, on Goodbye Gill, you get partway through, and all of a sudden someone starts talking. Yeah, that's actually Gill himself. I was very fortunate to have worked with him a lot in probably the last five years of his life. In fact, we did every uh, Friday once a month at Dizzy's Jazz Club in Richmond where I'm launching the record, and... He taught us so much about music, not just how to play it and the sort of stuff, like the idioms of jazz throughout history, 20th century, but he also just taught us just to be a great entertainer. He used to regale people with these fantastic stories. And, you know, as he got older and older, I just thought, wow, I'm so lucky. I just had this brainwave one night, just picked up my phone and he was sort of doing his 20-minute sermon on his life and talking about Harry Sweets Edison or someone like that or Harry James. And I just recorded on my phone and I thought, this is gold and not long after um, he passed away, I was devastated. I wrote a tune, Goodbye Gill, and I just had this brainwave. I thought, oh, wouldn't it be great to put his voice over the tracks? I wrote this outro sort of thing in a Latin style, and 
used one of his old students, Eric Budd, on the album, which was beautiful tribute too, and he did a fantastic job, might I add. And I sort of added in his um, voice afterwards, and it just fitted perfectly. I thought, wow, the planets really have aligned. You know, it's meant to be. So I hope he's smiling from the other side when he hears it. I, I think he will be. It, it's yeah. uh, it was a, a track that just felt so good, and then you hear the voice, hear the voice, and you think, yeah, that's got to be Gil. And then he rambles on about bits and pieces, and the music comes over, over the top. You've done a beautiful job of mixing that, Rory. Thank you very much. Absolutely superb. Yeah. The album itself is your second album. You had a, an album a couple of years ago now called New Beginnings. What forces you to think, I want to put an album out? Well, I guess I've been composing for a long time, and composition for me is one of those things that I don't like to force. It just, you know, I have years where I'll, I'll do a whole lot of music and it'll all just come pouring out, and other times you not much comes out for a little while, or you might write a riff or an A section of a tune, and six months or a year later the, the bridge comes to you and that sort of thing, but I let it happen organically. But I guess at, around um, when I did New Beginnings, I'd... I'd probably written about eight or nine tunes and thought yeah it's about time I did a proper album and I went to the ABC and used terrific producers there Chris Corr who's a legend he's worked with all these fantastic musicians jazz opera classical he knows his stuff and he's a musician himself so he got the best of both worlds and I used him again on Rory Remembers he lives down in Currumburra I bring him down because, you know, I'm, I know I'm in excellent hands with him. He's fantastic to work with, both very encouraging, but he's just got ears like an elephant. He just, he understands, you know, the whole process through and through. So it must be very satisfying as a musician to walk in the studio and have all the technical people understand exactly what you're going through. Absolutely, absolutely. It sure helps. It really does because, um, you know, recording, I must say, is quite a stressful process. It's a bit like being on the podium talking to 10,000 people, but, you know, every little note you put down, you know, is on the record. So it is kind of getting into that right mindset where, you know, the way I've recorded both albums, it's pretty much a live take. We just do maybe two or three sort of takes and we just take the best one. There's no overdubbing and it's the old school kind of sound of like kind of blue 60s sort of with Miles Davis. So we like that live sound, warts and all, but it's got that real energy. It's not overdubbed or synthesised. I, I think it's something that I've heard quite often now in, in speaking to musos on, on Bent Notes. The live recording gives such a nice sound. Rob Burke was here a little while ago and he was talking about his new album, The Power of One, again using this live sense rather than overdubbing things and putting them all in, in place and mm. having something that might be perfect electronically yeah. but doesn't have the reality of, of real musos playing. That's it, that's it. You know, there's there's little things, you know, your own worst critic and you listen to stuff, oh, I could have done that a little bit better or whatever, but you think, well, you know, no one else is going to know, particularly when it's a original composition and you, you just got to go with it because you know you lose so much if you overdub and you know some of these guys spend you know, hours i'm sorry months and months just to do one track and you know it's quite refreshing just to do the opposite you know what two days that's it we'll get it down what's and all and you know that's the way to do it, it. yeah my guest tonight on bent notes is rory Rory Clark, who has just releasing his brand new album called rory remembers we're going to have a listen to another track from this album. Solo Voyager sounds like an interesting name. What's it about? It's actually, um, I think it was one of the very first tunes I wrote back in about 1998. And it was just, um, when I was saying before, you know how I write something and it sort of comes to me later on. Well, I wrote this kind of groove-based A section. It was more of a funk rock thing and I grew up in the jazz idiom, so it was a bit different. But I really liked that sound, but... 
it was probably six months later, I was listening to some McCoy Tyson stuff and something just clicked on. I sort of wrote this bebop kind of bridge, it swings and then it, it transfers between the two sounds. So anyway, I decided to lay it down on this album. <laughs> Thank you for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Find more Joycasts and show blogs, go to joy.org.au. My special guest tonight, Rory Clark. Do you enjoy playing your own compositions or covers more? I've got to say I do like playing my originals. It's a way to get your own voice out there and I've written so many different genres I can explore different elements of my playing. It's good fun. Um, If I am covering other things, I do enjoy playing covers, but um, one of the key things that Gil Askey, the uh, trumpeter who the album's made for, he sort of taught me when you play a tune, you've got to make it your own. So I guess I put a lot of my compositional skills, even if I am playing a cover, I like to sort of come up with an original kind of feel or a new intro or a different kind of harmony and bring it to life that way. So put your own sort of signature on it. You're aiming in your performance to be you, not to copy anyone else, just to be you and bring something new to those performances. Absolutely. I was uh, been to New York twice. I was fortunate when I went there in 2004. I actually went to a master class at Blue Note with the legendary pianist McCoy Tyner. Oh, wow. And um, he's, I saw him a couple of years ago, and he's still playing great, but he's getting on a bit. But back then he was very much at his prime and it was just phenomenal. But that was one of the key things he taught me. You know, people asking him, you know, how do you do this? How do you do that? And he's like, you've really got to just develop your own sound. And I guess that's what he's remembered for because he didn't sound like anyone else. He, you know, pioneered this cultural sort of piano voicing sound that's sort of become idiosyncratic of his own sort of style and been imitated by many people. So I guess he's done something right. I, I think so. Now, who's yeah. out in Australia for the International Jazz Festival? Was it last year or year before? I, I think. It was the year before I oh. saw him at the Melbourne Town Hall with Jose James, the uh, vocalist, and it was a fantastic concert, needless to say. So, yes. Yeah. When you're performing, let's say you're performing with an audience, mm-hmm. what is what are you aiming for with the audience? Are you looking for spontaneity or energy? Are you thinking about the harmonic structure and the melody, or is there something else that you're looking for in that live performance? Fundamentally, when I'm performing, I'm looking to connect with the audience. One thing I, I can't stand seeing is when people do sort of self-indulgent kind of music. And so when I, I write music and uh, when I perform, especially, I want to connect with the audience. And that was another thing I learned from Gil. You know, he never had a sort of set list to run off. He'd read the crowd and he'd go, all right, it's time for a blues. They're ready for it. Kansas City shuffle, you know, you just launch into it and you just, the way you go. And I think that's a special skill you get as a performer to be able to read the crowd and you bounce off them and, you know, they bounce off you. And it's a two way thing. It's, you know, music's a language and it's all about communicating with the audience. Whether it be a small club concert that's right or a huge festival appearance yeah, yeah the same philosophy applies that's right obviously with the, the huge festival thing you can't bounce off them as much so it's more about having that set list and you try and preempt what they're going to enjoy and you present a suite of music but in a small club atmosphere it's very much that one-to-one or that smaller group thing where you're really bouncing off the crowd they're right there and part of the performance where do you work out your off-centre music, as in if you want to do something a bit different that's not actually necessarily connecting directly with the audience but you want to, to put it another way, show off, what do you do? When do you do that? 
Well, I guess um, it's probably more about communicating with your, your um, fellow instrumentalists. So, you know, you're reading them and often as a piano player, I get huge joy, you know, like I was doing a gig the other day and I'm working with Brian Abrahams, who's the drummer on my album, and Paige Smith, who's a fantastic bass player from San Francisco. And, you know, Paige is laying down this great walking bass line. He's laying down the harmony and then you know, Brian's just firing off all these rhythms left, right and centre and I'm just bouncing along, I'm getting harmony from one and I'm literally like a painter with like, you know, colour coming from one and, you know, he's the brushes and I'm here I am with the canvas at the piano and just like, you know, putting down all this music and it's just so fantastic. It's just, it's it's hard to describe it to a non-musician but I have to say it's just a real joy. It's It's a language and it's an energy and it's just so much fun and enjoyability in playing music. But what an, a lovely analogy to, yeah. to painting, yeah. to, to putting down the various layers and, and mixing them up to get yeah. the final result. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, the, it's, the musical Mona Lisa. That's right. It's good fun. Recording or live performance, what appeals the most to you? What do you enjoy the most? I guess a live performance thing because you've got the crowd there and I get so much um, energy from a crowd, you know. We've all had those things. You know, there's an old joke, you know, what's the difference between a jazz musician and a rock musician? A rock musician plays three chords to a thousand people and a jazz musician plays a thousand chords to three people. And we've had all had those club gigs where, you know, there's hardly an audience. It's very demoralising. It's hard to sort of fire off a really good performance. It tries your might and we've all been there. But, you know, it certainly helps to have a full crowd and you get that energy in spontaneity and these people tapping their foot or they get up and yelling out or dancing and stuff and I enjoy that you know it's really good fun it's that interaction that feeds the yeah the, uh, and, and encourages the creativity yeah small groups or big bands I guess the small groups are more my preference because there is more space to be yourself and be heard whereas the big band I play in the Dizzy's big band every Wednesday and it's a fantastic um, discipline to be able to read and listen and I do love it it's a very powerful sound but you're sort of you're playing orchestrated parts so it's very much sort of set and there's a few spots for solos but it's largely sort of orchestra stuff so I like the small group thing where you've got more freedom to sort of put out your own ideas and be in the moment and when you're in the small group also there's more opportunity for you to just go and do your own thing without having to worry about everyone else because they'll probably just follow along. That's it. That's Whereas if it. you've got a, a band of 16 people, you've got to be able to get those people the other side of the room in sync. That's it. So or you've got, got, to get... got to read off charts, you know. Oh. It'd be chaos otherwise. <laughs> it would Sometimes indeed. it is anyway. But <laughs> 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 we try not to make it too chaotic for the listener. Well, I'm hoping it's chaos for the band but not for the audience. That's it. It's organised chaos. I think from yeah. the, the audience's perspective... Yeah. It's just exciting. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't be jazz if there's not some sort of element of chaos, I guess. Well, that's right. It's got to be improvised. Again, it's that live aspect, isn't it? That's it. Mm. On Solo Voyager, there was a very interesting sound in there. Beautiful sound giving some melody, a Moog synthesizer. That's right. I didn't plan to use a Moog on the album. I was only sort of practicing and fiddling around with my keyboard about a week before, and I found the sound. I was like... I really like this sound. It works, and it's so different. I thought, that's going to bring a different timbre to the album because you've got beautiful guitar playing from Doug, and you've got some acoustic piano, obviously a lot of trumpet with Eric Budd, who's one of Gil Askey's students. And I thought, this is a really nice thing. It's a different discipline. It's almost like a, a lyrical instrument. You can bend notes, and uh, you know, you've got to think differently, but it's a real... fun thing. And you know, Herbie Hancock's one of my favourite piano players, as he is for many piano players, and I guess I grew up with those sort of sounds from the 70s, the headhunters and that sort of thing. So I guess it's a bit reminiscent of that and some of the stuff that was in the halcyon years of uh, Gil when he was at the forefront with Motown. So 
And as a pianist moving into that realm of the Moog, do you find it difficult to adjust? Um, a little bit. It's a, it's a different discipline, but I did kind of find it quite natural and very inspiring because suddenly there's a whole lot of different things, you know, using a colour palette thing. It's almost like a whole lot of different colours you've got to play with. It's very fun and it's less percussive and more vocal, so you, you can think sort of outside the square, I suppose, and bring different sounds to light. Yeah. Does that then challenge you from a time perspective that you're enjoying it so much you just want to keep playing with it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's always a challenge. <laughs> Good challenge. Good problem to have. Uh, very yeah. much so, very much so. The album itself has tracks from your own compositional skills and a couple of covers. We're going to have a listen to a piece that's a cover from very famous composers, Rodgers and Hammerstein. That's right. Called My Favourite Things. Now, this one's got some vocal on it. That's right. I've um, worked with Freddie Ballison. He's originally from Mauritius, and he's a fantastic singer. And he sounds just like Stevie Wonder, and he can sound just like uh, Michael Jackson. He's got a great voice, and he's a real asset to the album, and a lovely guy. So the drummer's from London. He's worked with Sarah Vaughan. That's Brian Abrahams. The bass player's from the U.S. We've got Christophe Junot from France, you know, uh, David Hardy, trombone from the U.K. So it's an all-star international band. What an amazing band to have, Rory. It is. I'm very fortunate. You are, are indeed, and thank you so much for popping thank in you. and uh, talking Been to a us pleasure. a little bit about your uh, development as a pianist and, most importantly, the, the brand new Rory Remembers al- uh, album. Thank you for your memories. Thank you. Thank you for having me, and I hope you enjoy it. Rory Clark on Joy 94.9. Thank you for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Find more Joycasts and show blogs, go to joy.org.au.